to the Circle Podcast. This is Andy. This is Forrest. Man, Forrest, I'm going to jump right into this one. You just sent me a video <laughs> that <laughs> is both Dude, uh, both disturbing and amazing at the same time. I'm going to go ahead and just tweet it out right now, just so like just to see what if people start responding to this. But yeah, they just uh, let the if you guys don't see this whenever you listen to it. It's basically this lift. This weightlifter is uh, lifting 400 kilograms, which is 800 pounds, and his yeah, 882 pounds. And he, as he's coming down, all you hear is just pop, pop, and he collapses, and it's his knees fracturing. It's horrific. That's this is a new experiment. I just tweeted it out. I told again. people. I told people we were about to start, you know, thanking everybody for watching again, and then I just tweeted out real quick, hey, we're, we're talking about this right now, feel free to chime in, see what happens. Maybe some people will come in, we'll I gotta, have to come back to it. That's what I'm figuring, someone's going to comment, like, you know. I'm watching it again, now. this dude is a monster surrounded by what look like Other monsters. He's a... Uh, Big dude. Russian. Classic. Alexander Sedkik. Sedkik. So he, yeah, he does. It's not even like his knees snap. If you guys uh, haven't watched the video or whenever you choose to, he, they don't snap like you think. They just, because he just collapses. He, he straight up, they just fracture under the weight. So you like think of a stress fracture, but. It's like his tendons, like he's coming down and his tendons just pop off the bone. It's hard to tell what all happens with the because he's got the wraps on. On here, here he goes. Oh, golly! I had to stop watching it. They need to. I mean, he moves the entire rack. If I had to guess, the tendons popped off for sure, but they're calling it a fracture. So, I mean. I don't know. But yeah, what you did the math in a minute ago. What did you say it was? It was, to be specific, it was eight eighty one point eight four nine. So eight hundred and nine hundred. That's a lot. Have you seen this new trend that's coming out? And a lot of people have done it in the last month. as like the first time it's done, where they'll run a sub five minute mile. And then also do a back squat of 500 pounds in the same day. And like back to back, or are they just do it in the same day? Like the guys that I've seen, like do run it, a mile like and immediately get under the squat rack. No, they're I mean they're just like in a 24-hour period, so they'll you know wake up and go. The one that I watched on YouTube that got me searching for it, he was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go to the gym when at like nine in the morning and." He didn't just get up there and like do a warm up and then do the 500 pounds. He got up there and he did like a ladder workout to yeah, get to so the 500. Like, I was yeah. like, "Why are you doing this if you're trying to like?" And he did it. You know, he he did a clean rep and then left from there and went to the track and then he did the same thing. He did like probably two miles of different warm up speeds and walking before he actually ran the five minute mile which That's I wild. guess and that guy actually he also ran a marathon after doing all that just to like 
set himself apart. So, from... I guess I yeah I haven't seen this. So is this like a Facebook or an Instagram trend or whatever? I don't. I've seen it on YouTube, and I got off Instagram and. Twitter isn't very, uh, not many people talk about that kind of stuff on there, but I've seen it. I'll send you the link to this guy on YouTube that did it. But it seems like, and then that that Nick Bear guy that we were talking about, I think that was last week. Was that last week? Yeah, that was, that was like, last week we were talking about it. He, he had a video where he had the first guy that did it. They were doing some kind of video where they were doing a workout, but... Let me see if I can find this guy. That's so, like, I don't know, because it's like obviously a five-minute mile is really tough, and obviously a 500-pound squat's really tough. But I feel like if you don't do them back to back, I mean, yeah, it's impressive, but like, I don't know. That's weird. I don't know how to how to think about that, how to register it, because those are both really hard things. But it's not like, yeah. So the guy, know. the first guy who did it. Adam Clink. Um, he's like a, he's a CrossFit guy, and he did a 456 mile, 500 pound back squat, and 50 pull-ups. That's 50 unbroken pull-ups, to be specific. That's pretty nuts. That so he did all that as like a workout. That was just like a thing that he did for, like it was just like a challenge. The, the guy who did the marathon, his name is Fergus Crawley. He's, uh, I want to say that he's from Scotland. 501 pound squat because he was using metric. 458 mile, and he ran a marathon. And when I watched the video, his original plan was to run a 50K in less than five hours. But then he ended up cramping so bad that he just settled for a marathon. It's just so – I just don't even know how to register this challenge. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just – it's so completely different things to run, to sprint a mile and – Yeah, that's a lot. Squat 500. Somebody else, some 19-year-old, dead, he did a 500-pound deadlift and ran a 453 mile in the same day. If you – excuse me. If you did them back-to-back like – say you run the mile and you immediately go into the squat or into a squat workout that culminates in a 500 pound then like I can kind of register that a bit more but I, if you do like a mile if you do the sub 5 minute mile in the morning and then you know wait 2 or 3 hours and go do that squat I mean yeah it's impressive that you can do both those things but are they really being done close enough together you know what I mean yeah. Because really, the science of muscles, like, hold on here. Let me move my computer around. Basically, the science of muscles is like if you work out your chest today, or, your, or I would say your legs, you work out your legs today, they're actually still working out until tomorrow. It takes like 24 hours for like the actual breakdown of muscles to stop occurring. So that's like when you start to feel the pain mm-hmm. is uh, in that kind of re- repair process. And so, like, if you did them a few hours apart, your legs are pretty pretty much still activated, you know? So it's it's not like, I don't know, it's just a weird, it's a weird thing to try and comprehend. 
mean, I can't do either. Yeah, of those I mean, things, it's just one of those. It's just one of those things that you know somebody came up with, and it's like, yeah, I did it now. Now you have everybody else. It. Everybody else try to do it and film it, and it becomes a trend. And I mean, if I could do them, I would love to do it, but I can't do a 500 pound squat. Um, I got 315 a couple weeks ago. That was pretty good. We got a couple comments so far. Oh, we have. Yeah. One guy said, I simply will not watch this. <laughs> I and understand. The, and the next one just goes, oh, God, oh, Lord. <laughs> that is an insane video, though. Like, oh, I can't imagine the pain. Cannot imagine. I can't imagine being able to do a 500-pound squat, you know, talking about all these at once. I can't imagine being able to run a sub five minute mile. Can't imagine a 500 pound squat. And then I can't imagine being able to squat enough weight that your knees just buckle and break and fracture mm. under the actual weight. Not even like, like we said, it's not like he locked out his legs. They just, they could, they physically couldn't support that mass on top of him. How much was the deadlift that that guy did the other day? That was like the. Heaviest deadlift of all time. Oh, we, the one we talked about last week. Yeah, what was the weight on that? It was uh, like one thousand one hundred and six pounds, I think. Yeah, it was close. One thousand one hundred and two point three. Okay. Five hundred kilograms. See, I just don't. What the fuck's a kilogram, man? Like, get that shit out of here. Yeah, imperial. I can't register a kilogram at all. We are imperialists. I just I, I what is a kilogram, man? That's not a real weight. A thousand grams. Yes. A thousand paper clips. Um, but yeah, I just I I just sometimes I miss doing like those Olympic lifts, like the classic power lifts. Yeah. But I just I've just got so deep into this like this body, body weight and calisthenic like mm. kettlebells, um, and and like doing stuff on the pull-up bars and i told you about those rings the uh the gymnastics rings i'm really excited to try those it's kind yeah, of shocked so did you when are you getting those they're supposed to get here tomorrow those would be nice so you know classic amazon one day shipping ordered them this morning they're gonna be here tomorrow um surprisingly affordable and from the videos that I've watched, it seems like they're kind of like the all-in-one program. Cause you can Are they just regular your, old gymnastics rings? Yeah, they're just wooden gymnastics rings. Tree limb, you can throw them around a pull-up bar or something at a park and just go to town and, you know, you can put your feet in them and do push-ups or you can do push-ups with your hands in them and you can do dips, you can do holds you can do all kinds of stuff that you know you can go to a gym and use a bunch of machines or do use weights but with this you know you're just using the weight of your body it seems like i mean for 30 bucks that's a good deal seems like well yeah i mean that's it's kind of like we're really easy way you could work out yeah it's such good grip strength it's going to help with your mobility to an extent you know because you're going to be hanging you're going to have I didn't realize this until I joined CrossFit. There's a lot of people that have, 
I, I didn't realize they always they kind of they don't make fun of me but they're like they joke with me because I have this insane mobility and I didn't I just kind of thought everyone was like that because when I grew up playing hockey like most people are pretty flexible like you guys I don't know I guess it's just the way you skate or whatever just makes you naturally flexible so everyone mm. that I and I grew up playing sports as well too like other sports too soccer and baseball and I don't know, I just always was around athletes growing up, so I didn't think anything of my my mobility. But, so I can squat, like, completely, like, when I say ass to grass, I don't mean, like, oh, like, I'm breaking parallel, like, hitting parallel or barely breaking parallel. Like, I can go, I can touch the back of my thighs and my calves to the point where my butt's, like, an inch off the ground. And I can do, and what I was getting at with this is my overhead, um lifts I can put my hands pretty much straight up above my head to do my overhand lifts like I don't have to do any kind of grip distance at all like I'm you know I can basically do a narrow grip on a snatch and overhead press and other kind of presses like that but I was gonna get at though if, if you are hanging like that because you do have like you can't really change I'm just trying to visualize it in my head right now if you got your hands above you and you're hanging down like that it's gonna naturally help your mobility because you're pulling your it's going to be pulling your um, arms together above your head like a lot like a lot of people as they get older they lose this ability to like basically touch their hands together above their head it sounds silly but I've I've seen a lot of cases of it where these where people can't really put their hands straight up above their heads right their heads right now it's very odd yeah see and that's something that I got from you know I played a lot of sports too just kind of I was never really like this is my sport yeah I just kind of did a little bit of everything but you know doing yoga really did that for me where it kind of transformed me from this kind of like stiff always sore you know always feeling like gosh I like I feel like I gotta warm up so much like you know warming up is still good but you know yeah. After after doing yoga for like there was a period of time where in college I was going probably five out of seven days a week, and I did that for like a year and a half. And it oh, did you tra- so limber? It tra- it like transformed, even still without doing it that much for a while. Like I def- I've definitely gotten away from just doing that because you know you you don't get like the muscle mass. You get this like trim muscle you don't really gain a lot of strength you just get a lot of like flexibility and like you, you get a little bit of strength but it's not like a ton you get a lot of and, core strength and, I'd say. yeah you get a lot of core strength and you get a lot of um honestly a lot of aerobic build up um especially if you do hot yoga which is what i was doing and but you just don't get that like build up of muscle and you know if you're if you're and then you go try to do something like you go lift and you're going to hurt yourself because your your body's not used to that yeah um so i kind of tried to balance it out a little bit and i i take a few of the things that i learned from yoga and do stretches before and after running workouts or you know body weight workouts or kettlebell workouts or anything like that but just you know it's it's amazing how many people can't touch their toes yeah no it's and i was one of those people for a while and the funny thing is like you just got to dedicate stretching time to it that's it's simple as that yeah i went from um barely like that was uh we talked about last week about how i just got off the beaten path of athleticism um 
so the worst flexibility I was was probably about two years ago and I was going to run. So I went to, you know, do the typical, you're sitting on your, sitting on your ass and you stretching, um, reach and stretch, you know, towards your toes, like you just said. Mm-hmm. And I barely made it past like my shin, the middle of my shin. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I used to be able to touch, almost touch my heel. And literally all I, I didn't, I didn't even have to do yoga. If I had done yoga, it would have expedited this. But all I did was just do that stretch every day for five minutes. Yep. Maybe not even five minutes, maybe 30 seconds a leg. And it it went from barely getting past my mid shin to uh, touching my heel again. And it's, it's not, flexibility is something that almost nobody has and people because they just see you do that stretch and like oh i can't do that Mm -hmm. as they just instantly don't try it and it's like well yeah like i couldn't do that either but now i can and it's not like i'm lifting 500 pounds like this is something you can get you can fix flexibility in a month yeah and you don't need anything to do it you just stand there and you can do it at your house you can do it in the shower yep hell you could do it taking a shit if you did it if you had the right bathroom for it Prop your feet up on the tub. Yeah. Oh, but, I used to do that. <laughs> but the thing that people used to always say that was funny was like, you know, oh, I don't, I don't want to go to yoga because I'm not flexible. And what the people there would always say is like, you know, well, you don't go to yoga because you're flexible. You go yeah. to yoga to become flexible. It's like if I was already strong, I wouldn't go to the gym. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't go to the gym because I'm strong. I'm going there to get stronger. You know, you don't go to a track to, because you can run fast. Yeah, and, anyway. and my problem with with it was not really the flexibility or anything like that. Some people just took it to the point of religion. Yeah, I was about to ask the place you. I was going. Like, it just when I first started going there, it was pretty normal, and like you had a few of those people who took it pretty seriously and as as the year two years went on they just kind of like the instructors started getting more and more like to the point where and the religion yeah the the breaking point for me was the instructor came in and she put this little it it looked like a little wooden box and she opened it she put it on this little mat and opened it up and started talking about you know like yeah, and they talk a lot you know I just kind of would tone it out but they would talk about like letting things go and just being present in the moment because you're in yeah. here and you're just commit yourself to this hour hour and a half whatever it is I think even that and, saying that's like you know that's fine like because you yeah, are and, and so I was like yeah this is fine but they, they took it as far as to she was like I want everybody in here to grab some little thing that they own that they have with them like that can be your watch that can be a ring it can be a necklace or an earring or something and i want you to think of a person that you think is struggling and i want you to hold it in your hand and think about that person and then come up here and put it in this box and we're going to take all the energy from this room while we're doing this practice oh my god we're all going to put our energy towards this box so that all of these people that we're thinking about feel the good positive energy from this room tonight and i was just like all right i'm done like this is mm-hmm. great we've gone too far and 
I'm just I'm not here for this. That's where I draw a line too. Like yoga, at the end of the day, like it is a religion. It, yeah, and unfortunately, I, I saw. I, I was gonna try and find the tweet because someone that I follow on the podcast Twitter um, was basically like, I don't, I don't agree with it, what he said to the fullest extent, but a lot, a large part of it I did, and I, I don't remember what exactly what he said, but sort of a rough paraphrase. He was basically just saying that it's a uh, religion, which is true, and he's like, it's a pagan religion, and again, that's true, and that all the poses are basically like demonic worship and again okay you know like if you do take uh yoga as like a religious stance and yeah i would agree with you but i don't think you just doing yoga in your living room to become more limber you are you know committing pagan acts or what have you but i can definitely um i definitely draw a line too at that point when people start talking about all the energy and stuff like that and i even think there is like like if you listen to Wim Hof, like that's one thing where he's talking about breath and building that kind of energy. But when you start talking about putting this shit in a fucking box, like that's just not. That's yeah, it's, that it's is taking that a little um, bit too far. There's there's a lot of connections with it to Hinduism. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember what. That's what he was talking about. It's like it was Hindu, which is a pagan polytheist religion. So he's not wrong. It's just I don't. He he was basically saying any yoga is that, not like. Um, he was basically saying, like, even if you're just in your living room by yourself doing it, watching some girl on YouTube do it, then you're committing these acts. And I was just like, you know, I don't agree with you on that part, but like what you're saying just now, if you're putting your energy into some object and you're putting it into this box and we're going to project it to somebody out there in the world, then yes, you are like your buddy Dylan worded it really well. I guess he's our buddy now. I've talked to him quite a bit. But he's he was talking about Eastern I can't remember if you if it was when we were at your house or maybe I was just having this conversation with him another time. But he's basically just saying like all these this Eastern this emphasis and obsession with Eastern religion that has kind of grown in America mm-hmm. is just like people can't admit and this is I I don't know, this might turn into the the, the spirit podcast real quick. But <laughs> how it goes um he's basically saying like this obsession that with that kind of yoga that you were talking about not just the health and wellness flexible but the religion aspects of of yoga and this eastern hinduism and buddhism um practices that we've really seen grow and especially god in california and they've started to move east i mean look at look at nashville tennessee right now i don't know if you've been to nashville tennessee recently but um you know i was there a couple weeks ago for a bachelor party and granted we were there for a bachelor party so i didn't mm-hmm. go to any of these yoga but you can still see these type of people have started to migrate to the south even yeah yeah this bohemian where they like you see um what's that little symbol of the fingers with the hand dude i don't even know the, the namaste <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. Namaste and see, hand. like that's the stuff. When I would go, I would not ever say like they, they would, you know, just as part of it, they would all clasp their hands together and bow and say Namaste. And I made a point from the beginning no. of going there to not ever do like I would have my eyes open. I would be like looking at the teacher, and they would watch me be the only person in the room that didn't do it. And they never asked me why. 
but I could tell that they were like a little bit weirded out. And I was looking for it earlier. I couldn't remember what it was called, but it's called Ashtanga Yoga. Okay. And so after after I kind of like had this weird experience, I started looking it up, and and Dylan actually found this, um, like started reading about this guy because I told him, and it is a type of yoga where there's like you do like one breath per movement and from a health standpoint it makes a lot of sense if you think about like the types of movements because like you know when you when you stretch you're supposed to breathe out it allows you to stretch more yeah like that's just a good you know physiological thing to do anything in physical activity you know if you exhale on the exertion right and so what this guy did who invented this in the 40s he figured out different moves that were like when you exert you breathe out and then you do another movement and you breathe in and it's it has almost become a religion of its own so like yoga is a hindu thing and then this ashtanga thing has become a religion of its own where like that's the only type of yoga most american people teach because it's like it it fits that like power yoga like where it's a workout and not as much just like a slow meditation it's more of a workout type of yoga and they do it with this hot yoga type studios but dude these places that these people go to get certified are like almost cultish like each region has a leader that is like the guru and so all these people go to the guru and it's like this one like buff dude that is teaching all these women how to do yoga and like if you watch the videos on it and stuff he's got his hands all over him he's like and you know they're all staying in the same little commune and they're there for two months sure it's a and cult. you just dude you know that there's just some weird stuff going on because you know he's i you know that's just me. I just I just think there's some weird stuff going on with that. No, I'm I'm sure it's a cult. And um, yeah, it's funny you brought up Dylan was talking about because, like I said, I can't remember if it was when we were all together that night or if it was a separate talk I had of him. Or hell, it might even be um, the other guy he introduced me to here where I'm at. But anyways, uh, he was basically saying like that it's just this this massive obsession that's come over Eastern religions like Buddhism and Hinduism and um, not not yoga for athleticism um but yoga for this whole clearing my mind and finding peace the namaste bullshit is basically just people trying to find a way to live without god and it's like that even at the end of the day where they think like oh i don't believe in jesus i don't believe in god but i go to yoga it's like they're still admitting they need some sort of higher power but just they can't admit what they actually need is basically what he was telling me. And it's 100% true. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, the whole reason that they even do any of that stuff, like if they, if you advertise your yoga as like, okay, this is an athletic yoga. We're going to stretch for mountain bikers. You know, like I've never been to hot yoga, but I'd imagine from the outside looking in, I feel like hot yoga is purely athleticism. Well, and they kind of market it like that. And then 
that was the thing is like they marketed it like that you go and it's kind of like that but then it evolved into this they realized that people really loved the the you know, oh, let's let's talk about our feelings and let's talk about how we're like releasing all this built-up tension that we have the chakras just, you know all this tension that we build up and and it becomes like a release you know and it is because it's working out i mean you can go get yeah, that same just, release go, say, go to the gym go run this this release back. is not because you're namaste into some cultist yogi yeah. it's because you're working out and you're engaging endorphins and you're sweating just yeah. go pick up a heavy fucking weight and you'll feel the same thing so here's a good example I looked up that Ashtanga yoga thing click on the guy that started it in the first paragraph on Wikipedia so this guy's name is Patabi Yois um, and in the first paragraph, a little introduction paragraph, it ends with you always sexually abuse some of his yoga students by <laughs> touching inappropriately during adjustments. adjustments. That's one of those things where it's just like you knew it going into it. Like You in, knew it was going to be there. Yeah. There's other things that you can look up on Wikipedia that you know you're going to find and you still do and you're still Yeah, you know. Here's a whole, there's a whole paragraph <laughs> about sexual abuse. Here we go, sexual abuse by yoga gurus. They have their own Wikipedia page about sexual abuse by yoga gurus. I mean, look at the it's compromising poses they're putting the women in when you think about it. Like, yeah. God, a fucking downward facing dog is just sex, essentially, is all that is. That pose. I'm yeah. sure you've done that pose. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I remember, you know, being in there and you're in like the locker room area and one of the dudes that was in there there was like a guy that was also a guy that was always there and he was like joking with me one time he's like man i love coming to these classes you know and he was old he was like 40 and he's like all these girls about your age look look really good doing all this yoga stuff i'm like dude what a creep like oh, you're in dude, here don't say that kind of shit all the fucking time it's like you're so in here watching these like they're in here like trying to do something and they're not worried about you and it's supposed to like you know it's it's just as creepy as some dude at the gym watching a girl do squats that is such a weird like mentality to me like yeah i don't know i've had i've had people say stuff to me before at the gym not like i'm the girl but like pointed girls out to me and um it was just like, like stay dude, in your lane am, do your i'm not thing. fucking here for that man like i'm here to literally do the opposite of what you just said i'm here to better myself not bring myself down by creeping on chicks yeah that's wild man it's wild times we're living in these people these people man these people what you've been getting into you've been uh i know you've been going to the uh the apartment gym, but yeah, you, been, you still have been doing the CrossFit. Do they make you like wear a mask or anything when you go in there? Uh, they were supposed to, but they never did. Um, we walked. Nice. They were supposed to do. Yeah, they were supposed to run at half capacity, and they never did. We came back. They did it for one day or two days. You're supposed to sign up, but no one was signing up, and just like the same. It's kind of like, kind of how CrossFit is. Is basically like. The whole point of it is like it's a community where it's a community. I mean, it's like a team. Everything's a team workout. Like it's a very competitive, 
it's very communal activity. It's very much of its own tribe, you know, except for all the hippie bullshit we just talked about. Um, so, like, you kind of, it's not, like, I mean, like, any any gym, you usually go to the same time every day. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of even more so of CrossFit because, like I just said, you kind of build up your own little team, your own little tribe. Like, there's one dude, like, I just went hiking with that guy in the woods. We can talk about that in a minute, too. Like, I, we work out the same time every day. And so they didn't, they had this sign up, but they just, they didn't need to use it because they found the same people were coming to class every single day. It's not like, it's not like it needed to be a first come first serve kind of thing. It was like, okay, the 530 class is here. Okay, well, the 10, 15 people that are normally here are here. There's not a 16th person that's never shown up or, you know, there's not a 17th, there's not two extra people that's never showed up. It's like. They found out very quickly that people just kind of went back to normal. And so really the only lasting change they've had us do, and even that's actually started to kind of fall by the wayside now, because they, I read, ugh, all they did, <laughs> they had this little stand that had like um, cleaning supplies on it that we were wiping down our barbells with every time and wiping down like your, just your area to get all the germs off, I guess. Um, so that was, that stuck for the longest time. Like that, the gym opened up in, may or june and it's august now and it was going on till last week and it's because they moved the stand and since they moved it last week i haven't seen a single person <laughs> wash down their weights and <laughs> all they did was move it from the main gym floor to this little hallway by the bathroom they moved it four feet around a corner and i haven't seen anyone wipe down a barbell since yeah everybody's over it like... yeah it was it, that's all that was the straw that broke the camel's back was moving at four feet <laughs> like I, I thought that was the funniest thing, um, but yeah, I mean that's all they did was make us w wipe down our area. How's uh, I guess you don't. You said you mostly just do the home body stuff, so. Yeah, I've just kind of, like I said, I bought. I've already I already had like kettlebells and a couple dumbbells and like some stretch bands and that stuff, and then over by my house we've got that like outdoor gym with the pull-up bars and the dip bars and stuff yeah that's such a cool and place then, you know now now that i'm gonna have these rings like so i you don't just take those with you i guess and yeah just throw i'll them just over? take them with me throw them over and then go to town and take them with me when i leave that's awesome it's just uh i'm telling you man when i started looking into it and i realized because for some reason i had in my head i was like i bet these things are probably like kind of expensive and i mean like you know they're gonna be like a hundred bucks for just two pieces of wood yeah and i was like that's probably not worth it but then there are 30 bucks on amazon and you can do and what i like too is that it's not only you're working those muscles and you're using more of your weight because you're having to pull it all out of the air you're also working those like secondary muscles that do balance because it's not a it's not like doing a pull-up on a solid bar you know you're doing a pull-up and it's moving and you've got to learn how to like control it so that you can pull up and then let down without your arms going every which way it just kind of makes it that much harder yeah but, it's uh i love them man like you said they just it's so much harder to maintain your grip um, if you can knock out 10 pull-ups on a bar, I guarantee you can't knock out 10 pull-ups on a ring. 
Oh, no, it's going to be something about harder. it, man. And I've barely got the muscle up on a bar now, and I'm sure that that'll be almost impossible on those things. It's it's probably one of the hardest CrossFit movements, other than a handstand walk, but that's just – that doesn't count because that's just – there he goes. There he goes. Um, I mean, other than a handstand walk, I can't really think of a harder movement than the uh, – ring muscle up ring muscle up it's just oh my gosh everything about I mean, that's it like starts. an olympic level gymnast move it is yeah if you brain. can do if you can do a ring muscle up you can start doing like the iron crosses and stuff like that like you can do you you're on your way to being able to do full-fledged of it of gymnast routine on the rings the iron cross has always been something that like oh, i remember man. even being like a kid watching the olympics with my parents and seeing somebody do that and just being like what on it's earth? just the ultimate test of strength i think because one you have to be able to get up there you got to do a muscle to get up there two once you get up there the yeah, just everything core strength shoulder strength forearm strength bicep tricep strength everything is being in your grip strength everything is being pushed mm -hmm. to its absolute limit to hold that thing steady dude that's what's crazy the guys who do it like there's guys that do it and they're like moving the whole time and that's still impressive but the guys that do it and are just like statues it's otherworldly i mean that gymnasts is gymnasts are like the rings gymnasts man those guys are cut that's always uh people forget how ripped those guys are until the Olympics rolls around and you see yeah, a guy. You think you sit around cross. and you're like, Oh, that guy does gymnastics like Yeah. Okay, and then four years from now when the summer Olympics happen, you see this dude doing an iron cross, you're like, Holy fucking shit. Dude, weren't we supposed to have the summer Olympics this year? Yeah, I was year? gonna say, like, we were supposed to have the Olympics I think that they're doing it I mean right now they're, they're talking about doing it next year, but it's in China like it was supposed to be in China. Or was it supposed just, to be in Japan? I don't know. I just I it's one of those things it, that like uh, I think it was in it ended up getting overshadowed by other sports so much and just everything else that was going on in America, you just kind of forgot. Let's see here, Olympics. Yeah, they were supposed to be in Tokyo. Yeah, to Tokyo 2020. Wow. I mean, so now they're going the, on next year. The 2022 Olympics are supposed to be in Beijing. I saw that, which. I truly don't understand that because didn't they just have the Olympics too? Uh, I don't remember when they had. Let's them. see here. 2018 Winter Olympics were. I don't even remember the 2018 Winter Olympics. Apparently they're in South Korea. Yeah. Sochi before that. Let's see here. I could have swore the Chinese just had an Olympics. They had 2018. Maybe that's just the racism coming out. Peyong Chang, which is in Korea apparently. And then it goes back to Italy. I think Italy that you're right. I think that you're years. right. I could have swore they had one in China, but here I am, I'm not seeing it. Not to go too deep in the Olympics, but I will never understand like why the World Cup and the Olympics are ever take place in a third world country. Like when they went in Brazil 
and all that like in Rio. You, yeah. Yeah, like if you just if you don't have stadiums ready on hand, like you should not be allowed to have Olympics. They were like, in you Beijing have to build in 2008. Stadiums. It's one thing to build like facilities, you know. Mm-hmm. But like, that's one thing. But building an entire multiple multiple stadiums at the cost of your people, like that should be, that should automatically rule you out from having the Olympics. <laughs> like, you shouldn't have to build a brand new billion dollar stadium while you're in the third world country having people just fucking die of every disease known to man. That's just always uh, been something that's weirded me out. Because they did it twice. They had this World Cup. And then and what's crazy, the dude, is go, they had the World Cup. you go and you look in those countries like 10 years later where they haven't used those facilities in forever. And it's just like oh, the yeah. apocalypse. Yeah, like the, uh, the Plants Leo, growing through stuff. and All the swimming pools they built, like they didn't even drain the water. They just started to algae and mold over. They didn't – it's just like – how can you do this to your country? Uh, well, I think we all know how they did it, but it was in Beijing in 2008. Okay, which that wasn't that long ago. I mean, that was just was it 12 years? Yeah, I could have swore it was like last week. I guess I was just thinking of the Korean one. And then it's, I think it's uh, London. Who's got it next? Dude, they had it like 10 years ago too. Tokyo. Oh, Paris. Not London, Paris. I was say London had it like ten years ago. Dude, the Paris logo for the Olympics is a woman. It's like the head of it. It's supposed to look like a flame, but then if you when look at it, like, I'm seeing. Oh, there it is. Twenty twenty four. It's a woman. Oh my gosh! Wow, they they're really hitting that one early. It's got fucking lipstick on it and a boomer mom cut. That's the Karen cut right there. That's. Yeah, Karen twenty twenty four apparently. Let's see if it talks about mm, concerns and controversies. How that already happened? It's not even. How is there already a concern for and controversy? A it's, they called for a hijab ban. Okay, I don't see how this is a controversy. A French feminist group called the organizers to ban the hijab and the other items of Islamic clothing during the games to ensure they can compete free from religious restrictions. I don't know, whatever. Dude, the Olympics are so fucking weird. They've gotten so horrible. They're just like... You guys, They're going to L.A. in 2028. L.A. is not even going to exist. L.A. is going to be a third world country. America is going to be a third world country by 2028. If we even survive this next election. Yeah. Have you? Speaking of surviving, have you looked at the inability to buy ammo right now like you just can't find it's it been, if you do it has find been it, like that since i remember when the weekend that it all went down what happened because i wasn't really paying attention it was like the weekend that everybody like that every state was like all right everybody's got to stay home we're issuing a stay-at-home mandate starting well, on that Monday. was a long time ago though wasn't it is it just oh, yeah. now catching up to it now to like everywhere so no it happened then because I went to the store. I remember I was at, like, we went to the grocery store because it was like, oh, might as well go buy a bunch of stuff, I guess, if we're going to have to stay at home. Even though, like, we knew you are going to be allowed to go to the grocery store, they were just only going to let so many people in at a time. Anyways, just went and bought some necessities. And then I said, 
I need to go buy some more ammo. Yeah. Because you should always buy more ammo. And the we went to Academy Sports and walked straight back to where all the ammo is to an empty shelf. Dude, Academy's so hit and miss. Sometimes you walk in there and there's more ammo than some armies, and then other days you walk in there and it's like that. Yeah, but that's the thing is like that's the place where everybody thinks to go, and went up there and I was like, well, dang, and like that was all the pistol ammunition, and you know they don't have like AR-15 no stuff there, so they didn't have any pistol ammunition other than 22. So I bought a bunch of 22 because it was pretty cheap still, and went up to the front, and the girl at the front was like, did you find everything you needed? And I was like, well, not really, and she was like. What caliber were you looking for? <laughs> and I was like, nine millimeter. And she's like, there's only one place in Huntsville that still has any. And it was at the uh, the Rural King. Yeah, buddy. I don't know if everybody knows there's not that's many some, Rural Kings out there. That's some discount <laughs> ammo, though, right there. Dude, they went, I went in there and they had, they were out of a lot of stuff too, but they did have nine millimeter. And it was kind of expensive. Billy Bob was probably in the back refilling old shells. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and so, like the, you know, it was a little bit more expensive than normal. Not too crazy, but I ended up getting some, and just to get some. But I'm I'm sure that you cannot find it anywhere now. Um, I bought a thousand rounds of five five six, green tip, right at the beginning. Cause I, it was ironic. Like I was already wanting to buy a gun. Like, I was already wanting to buy an AR-15, so I ordered a nice, uh, Palmetto State had a sale on their PSA AR-15, mm-hmm. and so I ordered that, and it got delivered, and so I immediately went to a different place to buy ammo, just because, I don't remember why, I think it was just cheaper, maybe, I don't know. Anyways, uh, I bought a thousand rounds of 5.56, five, and the next day, I woke up, and that, because it was on a Sunday when my gun got delivered. And that evening, I got a call from I got an email from work saying like, you can't come in tomorrow. We're working from home. And then that later that day was when um, they shut down everything. And yep. yep, that's like that's pretty much when I slowly start. But I've I've been shooting since then. But it's just like what I was getting at is like I feel like the past couple of days I've really seen people talking about it a lot more. So I was wondering is like are just the factories now was like all the ammo that was out there just been bought up now i guess well and also and they're not able to produce anymore this happens people don't because it's every four years i'm gonna say it is an election year every time we have a presidential election this always happens because it's like oh well if so and so gets elected they're gonna take away your gun so you need to go buy all the ammo and you need to go buy all the guns well but you would think this is probably the first time i believe it though to be honest yeah. With everything going on, like Biden flat out said, I guess this is the first podcast we're going to get political on, but Biden said last week that he'll ban all, not like assault weapons, whatever quote unquote assault means, is he'll ban all guns. And then they said today, uh, after he named Kamala as his VP yesterday, which just like, holy shit, because game plan there is Biden's going to get elected, or their game plan. And then he'll resign, and she'll step in. Obviously, that's what the game plan is. But they both uh, came out today, said mandatory nationwide mask mandate at all times outside of your home. 
Yeah. Here's the thing: is you can say stuff like that, but I mean, there's not going to get elected. You're you're not going to. Yeah, I don't. Those two, number one, they hate each other. Yeah. And they've made it public that they hate each other. Biden lost the vote at the moment last week when he said he wants to ban all guns. You know, you can't. You can you can say all you want. I'm going to ban all guns, but you know, luckily, we still do live in a somewhat check and balance government where even if he does get elected and tries to do some stuff if he gets too crazy in two years there's going to be a bunch of democrats that get out of the senate and the house and you know the senate and house almost have more power because they get to touch everything first you know and you can't just sign an executive order for anything unless and and you can try but there's there's ways around that too and as much as people want to complain about the supreme court they like everybody wants to say that they're a moderate yeah there's a bunch of stuff the supreme court has done that i don't approve of because i'm not a moderate but they pretty much keep everything pretty even kill for the way that like if it gets really out of control they keep it pretty in the middle they've gotten pretty left on some stuff like the abortion and gay rights and all that but they're just like they're saying stuff they're not gonna around that people. hillary wasn't even saying you know oh yeah so that's why i'm like if it was ever gonna go down i really think this election or the next one would be it what's wild just, to me is the left is always it's like well that didn't work let's say something even crazier that is the well, weirdest that didn't thing work. to me let's say something even crazier instead of being like you know what we're getting a little bit too out of control like let's just bring it back you know try to be the people's people the blue collar party again which they used to be and they just keep getting more and more crazy and people are like look we don't want that like there there are three states full of people that want that and that's it yeah there's yeah it's insane it's like they ran hillary clinton which was just kind of insane thinking back on it how the most hated women in america was their number one choice and he was running up against argue or she was running up against arguably the most hated man in america depending on who you asked you know like there could not have been two more polar opposite candidates and uh and people in the middle always lean towards the right like i've never heard of someone who or or it's, it's becoming a little more common now just because of Trump and his rhetoric, but even now, like when as soon as Biden says something like "I want to ban all guns," like if you as as a gun owner, even if you lean a little towards the left, well, can't vote for that guy now. He's gonna take your fucking gun. Like it's simple as that. That's such a wide sweeping issue that I don't think the left fully understands. Is how I, I don't know. It just doesn't make. It's what you just said. Like it does not. It does not make sense to me. So they run Hillary Clinton on this. God, thinking back now, that wasn't even that progressive of a campaign. But now they're just, I don't know. It just, they, it's like you said, they, they'll think of one thing and it doesn't work. And so they'll come back four years later and they're like, okay, well now we do want to take all your guns and we want to do whatever else they want to do. And it's just like, what are you, what kind of campaign is this? They're campaigning. They're campaigning for like the smallest ma- minority of voters. Like, 
especially when like, well and it's just for attention like because they know that if they say something like that the media is going to be all over oh my gosh did you hear and on both sides like, they and it just gets them attention like they're yeah. not ever going to actually do it like they and they may try to do something but they're you know they're really just focused on what can get the clicks what can get the most attention you know because i would love to see anybody go into north georgia or in the hills of Appalachia, or go into West Virginia, or go, and and just try, just try to take some Jim Bob's gun because he's not gonna have it. Like he's gonna pull out his granddaddy shotgun, even if that's the only one that he's got, and like take a few out with him. Are any of your like, guns that registered? Is, yeah, all of them are. Oh, whoops. I only got. So when I bought my AR-15, they ran the background check, and that was it. I didn't ever like. It's if you bought it from the it store, it is, it is. That's what I figured. I figured that one. So I have one registered, but my shotgun I bought from a gun show. My, I mean, I'm not even gonna consider this a home defense gun, but my muzzle loader was just gifted to me. So if push comes to shove, I will take you out 1776 style with the muzzle loader. <laughs> I need to get a bayonet for it. Just to, <laughs> I cannot wait to shoot that thing though. Black powder. You need to make sure it's sighted in, because you could probably. I mean, you'd be. I don't even have a sight for it. Yeah, you can just get like just a because it's not going to be any good past really like fifty to seventy yards. No, I can just put something with crosshairs on it, and that'll just call anything that a sight. cheap at Walmart with crosshairs. I could put but... a roll of toilet paper, hollow, you know, just with a couple lenses of glass on each side, and draw a sharpie crosshair, and that'll work. Like all you're really, because like you said, it's 50, 50 yards or so. It's not like I'm needing a four-time zoom or anything. Yeah, they're uh, they're a lot of fun. They're yourself. loud. Yeah. Yeah, I leave that loud. I'm excited. Yeah, that'll be a good place to shoot. Have you found any land that'll allow a muzzleloader yet? Yeah, there's a. I'm actually gonna go scout it this weekend for archery and muzzleloader, and um, I can also, I can't. I need to double check if you can fall hunt turkey. I know you can. No, yeah, I think you can. you can fall hunt, but you can't spring hunt. Or I just mean at this WMA. Oh, okay. I think uh, specifically for some reason you can't hunt the spring turkey, but you can hunt the fall turkey. Which okay. I don't. I don't understand that one, but um, yeah, you can. That's that's right. You can muzzle load and archery deer you can dove hunt you can small game hunt and then you can um or you can fall turkey hunt so i'm gonna go and uh pretty much just see any kind of animal i can find and just mark it up in my onyx a lot of water That's... a lot of agricultural fields what you gotta do you just gotta go out there and walk around see what's there I need to go and check this camera again where I moved it to see if I get any more got any more movement after the one video yeah I'm, I'm excited to check that out whenever uh, deer season comes around that little so spot I know is... we won't go into it but I know you had some controversy where your last camera was at where did you move it to at WMA or yeah it's just to resolve uh, your issue I've it's still on that same property. I just moved it to a different place on the property. So it's um, not going to cause I think you any that, issue this fall? Yeah, I think that it's going to end up being okay this fall. I, I was really just more worried 
for the future of that land. I have a feeling that it's not going to be huntable. Too much longer. I think that it's going to turn into a wildlife refuge, but it's not even for the deer hunting, it's for the duck hunting in that area. Just yeah. people getting too getting a little bit too greedy. Just because you can hunt it doesn't mean you should hunt it. Yep. I need to find some good duck hunting places around. I mean, I know there is some, but something I didn't get to do last year so I've not really been looking too much for where the ducks are yeah it's kind of it's a hard thing to I mean I guess you only really scout you really not there all year you just kind of yeah. know where they're gonna you gotta look you actually gotta scout for their habitat yeah you kind of just have to go more west you if you so? are if you are more towards Arkansas yeah, if you're like east of the Mississippi line between Mississippi and Alabama, it's really hard to find a consistent place to hunt. But like is that, that just, part is of like the, the they just flock down to there in the winter, or like what is? Yeah, that? I mean they're just flying. Like that's the the biggest flyway is the Mississippi River, and so they start up in. Canada and the Dakotas and they fly down that river and that makes sense yeah. honestly Missouri is like can't get lost the, if you just follow the river yeah Missouri is like the best kept secret that's not a secret but like everybody's like oh I'll just go to Arkansas and hunt or I'm going to go to Louisiana and hunt or Mississippi well those birds all hit Missouri before they hit any of those states so they're not as used to being shot at it can be warmer and they'll be there because like when it's warm in Arkansas they're in Missouri so and it's really not that I mean I guess it just depends on where you're coming from if you're coming from the south that's farther to go but if you're going east it's really not that much different than going to any of those other states yeah that's a good point there's a there's a lot of people in Missouri that lay it down on some ducks and they're probably going to get mad at me for saying that like don't be talking about Missouri on your podcast. It's okay. Um, all uh, all a couple hundred, or not even a couple hundred, all hundred or so of our listeners will be sure to we not hit go slay too hard in Missouri. I want to say that we hit. Let me look. Let's see what number we're at. I've had a lot of activity on Twitter this week, so I wouldn't be surprised if we're starting to actually. Yeah, we're like off. 165 downloads, which we did when we did last week's podcast. We were at like barely over 100 so yeah we've been hitting it we've uh I don't know I just we've been getting a lot more traction on both the Instagram and Twitter the past couple of days like yeah. all I posted one picture to Instagram today and all of a sudden I had like 74 likes on it oh dang it's nuts um what was the picture of uh a view from the backpacking trip oh yeah That'll get it. Tell me about that trip, man. It looked like you had a good time. That was a great trip. So, uh, like I said earlier, there's a guy I work out with at the gym. Uh, We've been kind of planning to go for a while. We've had to put it off. Just stuff got in the way. But we left Nashville. Oops. You can cut that out. Um, We left left our town from uh, about 4 a.m. is when I picked him up. And um, so 
I can't remember what time we started hiking, but we started hiking pretty early in the morning just to get out there so we can make the most of it. And we are hiking the, uh, not the, so it's kind of confusing here. If you look at these mountain ranges, they're all right next to each other. And it's, this is going to shock a lot of people too, because I didn't even know this either, but a lot of people consider pretty much all the mountains from really North Georgia up into like past Tennessee, like through West Virginia. Um, a lot of people consider those all just the great smoky mountains. And they're they're not at all actually. They all have they all have different ranges. Like the Great Smoky Mountain Range is actually just purely that part of the national park that's in Tennessee and um, just over the North Carolina line. Like pretty much all the Great Smoky Mountain Range is in Tennessee. Um, so the range that we were hiking, which people might consider it the Smoky Mountains, but it's not, was called the Plot Balsam Mountains. And there's another range right next to it called the Great Balsam Range. So it's all kind of confusing. But anyways, we were on the Plot Balsam Range. And we're... I don't know. It's kind of confusing because we've been talking about all the differences between different types of public land. And I meant to look it up beforehand, but I kind of forgot to see if it's under national park jurisdiction or not. Because we both thought it wasn't. But then when we got there there's like this building at the base of the at the trailhead and it's a national park service building and there's national park rangers there yeah. and they're selling like plot ball some t-shirts you know shit like that but it's not in the smoky mountain national park it's in the cherokee national forest which is a completely different jurisdiction if you watch the video we, we tweeted out earlier today like right. the national forest is completely different jurisdiction than the national park system and that's what it's in but there's a national park building there so i don't know what's going on there maybe well the maybe they maintain this i one think that trail. it i think that it borders from what i'm looking it does at right border here the Smokies. it borders great smoky mountain national park So the only thing I can think of is because it borders it, a lot of people do this trail. And so there's only one maintained trail. So mm -hmm. I think the National Park Service maintains this one trailhead. Because the yeah. very first mountain you go up is called Water Rock Knob Mountain. And it is, there's an asphalt trail the first quarter mile of the mountain. And then it turns into dirt. But it's like that really maintained like 10 foot wide trail, you know? Right. But on either side. And then once it gets really steep, they have, like, that stair stepping. It's not, like, actual stairs, but it's, like, stairs built out of rock and stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And then the last 50-foot stretch is big boulder stairwell again. And then you get to the top. And there's not, like, railings, but there's, like, clearly, like, these trees were taken out. This rock was put here for a reason. Like, it's clearly maintained. Um, yeah. So that's the – and that's the, that's the tallest one in the range. It was, like, 6,200 feet tall. And um, I just pulled it up on Wikipedia and it says popular destination with tourists and hikers, easily accessible from the parkway. Visitor center is located and at a hiking or sorry, near the summit and hiking trail leads to the top. Hiking trail and visitor center are manned and maintained by the National Park Service. So I'm guessing they just maintain this one main trail then. Yeah. So you get up to the top, 
and the second the second peak is like a sub peak it's not even considered its own separate mountain but the second peak is called browning knob and this is where it gets interesting because this first peak is maintained right well the second peak there's a plane crash at it so mm -hmm. in 1983 this guy was flying an unregistered flight so he didn't you know register his flight route or anything like that um and he'd been drinking and he had one passenger with him and they were trying to i guess just fly i don't know where they were going but they were flying over the mountain and basically what they they kind of did the forensics on the plane was he was trying to fly it low to keep it under the radar but because he was flying it low he was in all the all the smoke and the fog of what is called the smoky mountains you know like that's why they have their names from all the fog mm -hmm. and so he's stuck in that and he crashed into the side of the mountain and uh they said if he'd flown 150 feet higher he probably would have made it because he was 100 he was it's about 100 feet down the mountain where you hike from and so if he'd been just 100 100 120 feet taller so he didn't hit the trees he would have made it um <clears throat> But to get to this second peak, it's interesting because it's not an official trail. Like you're in the national forest, you're the it it stops being maintained right there. But because everyone wants to go see this plane, there's just been a trail has been naturally beaten down much more than the rest of the trail we went on. Um, so it was very much like you knew where the trail was. There were you saw other people. Like there was there was probably five other people at the crash when we got there. You know. And we were seeing people walk around us the whole time too. And so we went and we saw this plane, we walked back up, and this is this is where it gets dicey then, because after this trail, not many people keep going. Um, but there's two more peaks you can do on this range. And the second peak is still a little bit more traveled because it's not a super I mean it's a pretty hard hike, but it's not anything compared to going beyond the second peak. Um, so we go to the second peak and it's about a mile and a half hike between the plane and the second peak and the second peak is called the second true peak I should say uh, it's called Lynn, Lynn Lowry Mountain and we get there I've heard of that one and at this point we're not seeing anybody I think we saw three other people that were hiking that far and because they were wanting to do the Lynn Lowry peak and like I said it's a, it's a good mile and a half two mile difference in between um, the first two peaks where the turret like the pretty much you can go up there with your dog you know you can wear jeans if you want people wearing flip-flops on the first peak people i saw people walking to the second peak in flip-flops and i'm like you might be able to go down this mountain but you're not gonna be able to come back up it <laughs> um but if you're going to this second peak the true peak the lynn lowry one like i think like i said we saw three other people and they were just going it out and back and the Lynn Lowry Peak was like 6,128 feet. And then after this, this, like I sent you, I just posted the pictures in that group chat. Like everything after that, man, was, I don't, we don't think anyone had hiked this trail in over a month. And that's what I was trying to explain to the one guy in the group chat. I'm like, look, like I get what you're saying, but like that's just not how this was. Yeah, there's like, just sometimes, are, there are trails that are not really hiked a bunch and so it doesn't really look like a trail but obviously is what yeah. it is at one point if you if you're looking at like the one picture where i'm walking through the flowers like it doesn't look like there's a trail but if you're where i'm standing and you look down and you don't have to look down when you're walking because people have walked it before so there's like a one there's like a one foot wide little path 
where you're not gonna you're not gonna trip on anything, but all around you is completely overgrown. And so we're at the Lynn Lowry Peak, and we look over, and there's a small hole in the bushes, and he's like, "Oh, okay, this is. I'm pretty sure this is it." And we pull up the GPS, and he's like, "Yeah, this has got to be it." And again, no one's probably hiked. <clears throat> One second. Damn. I can edit it out. This he points out the hole in the bushes, and no one's probably hiked this trail in over a month. Like I said, we pull up the GPS and double track. Like, okay, this is it. It is a 400 or 500 foot descent into the bottom of this valley from this from this um. Sorry, I muted myself. So it's a 400 or 500 foot descent and down into this valley. And it's it's a 400 or 500 descent in less than about 200 yards distance. Like at one point, you are using your feet and hands to grab stuff to pull yourself up when we were coming back up. And so we get down to this valley. And I mean, there's no sense of trail. Like at one point, we're just, we're pretty much just going completely off. Like we know we need to go this direction. We have a GPS let's just keep going and it probably took us an hour and a half if not more to get from the second peak to the base of the last peak which was the plot balsam peak and so we get to the base of that and again man it was like it, it just felt like you're on another world from where we were just at because we, we we knew we weren't going to see anybody like it was so dense those pictures i sent you of the woods there there was no like yeah, there was the barely a trail wild. yeah like that was the which you don't normally see on trails at all um we you couldn't hear anybody in the distance you couldn't see anybody there hadn't been people on these trails in months at a time if not longer if not a year and so we we summit this last peak and um there wasn't really any views on this last peak because it was the shortest one so it had the most it was slightly under the tree line i think I don't even think it was – I guess it was over 6,000, but it was, like, barely over 6,000. So there was still a shitload of dense trees, and so there wasn't really a view anywhere. And that's when we got rained on. A storm came through. So we hunkered down there for, like, 30 minutes, 45 minutes before hiking back and setting up camp. And, man, that night – oh, my gosh. That was one of the best sunsets I've ever seen. You could see – I can imagine. It was That's something about the Smoky Mountains that – is incredible as both sunsets and sunrises are just like insane. Oh yeah, the sunrise. And you can get too. up on those balds like Roan Mountain, and uh, what's the one that everybody? Oh, Max has, Patch. Yeah, but no, and not Max popular. Patch or... Yeah, that's the one. Oh, okay. Thinking of, but like they're popular for a reason because yeah, you the views from up there are just incredible. Um, it was insane. Like you could see, the sunset was just unbelievable. I don't even know how to describe it. It was it was insane. And then at night too, um, if we had less of a moon, you could have seen even more. But you could see satellites, you could see shooting stars, you could see the actual Milky Way, like the actual milkiness of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it was insane. And then in the morning, that sunrise too was just. It was we were perfect spot. We had no tree. We had some trees to the right of us, but if you went up the hill a little bit, then you could see over the trees. 
and just across the valley over to where you could actually see uh, Mount Lacan and Klingman's Dome from where we're at. So we watched the sunset over Lacan. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. And then, which is, is funny because then, you know, uh, like Knoxville and stuff's just on the other side of it. So it's kind of kind of funny to watch all that, knowing like where all the geography is of East Tennessee. It's a really interesting point, like, because you are, it's a very, I didn't realize it, but this Lynn Lowry Mountain is a very central mountain to everything over there. Like to le- to one side of us, we had Maggie Valley, Waynesville, Cataloochee, all that stuff. And then you turn to the right, or I guess, um, I mean, you can't say turn to the right, but you know what I mean. Turn to the west, um, you're looking at like Leconte, Klingman's. Over on the other side of those is Maryville and Knoxville. It's very, it's funny to think about because we had to. <clears throat> it's just it's just funny to think about knowing the geography of the area and like everything's right there, but you know how far apart it is by the road. But at the same time, you're basically looking at it. Yeah, dude, and Kant is one of those that's like just a classic. I haven't been up there in so long. That's one of the best hikes. I haven't actually done Lacant yet, man. It's my my whole extended family used to go do Lacant, and it was like back when I was young, young. So I would have been like early elementary school, but it was like all my aunts and uncles and my parents and my grandparents we would all hike up there as a big group and stay in one of those big cabins that's up oh at the that's top. awesome and like for anybody that hasn't ever been up there if you ever make it to east tennessee this is a great hike you gotta book those cabins like years a year in advance, advance. I'm pretty sure yeah but they're not like you know a five-star hotel they're they're a cabin cabin they've been up there forever they've got a restaurant up there but I mean it's pretty like home cooking camp food and then you stay in the cabin it's like hardwood bunk beds you gotta sleep in a tent or not in a tent in a sleeping bag in the cabin but dude those were those were some fun times that's uh if you're if you're out there listening to this and you live in like the um can you hear me yeah okay my computer said something weird um if you're living in like the southeast like and you haven't been to tennessee or north carolina like you gotta go like it these are they're not they're not easy hikes i'm not gonna say that some of the ones in the smokies are a bit easier to be honest um if you want to get up really high clingman's dome mm-hmm. if you're if you're a beginner hiker if you've never like how do i if you're listening to this podcast you're like gosh how do i get into hunting how do i get into hiking all these things like and you just want to say you've climbed a mountain because i get it you know you got to walk before you can or you got to crawl before you can run mm-hmm. um clingman's dome is you can either do the backcountry paths where it is like what i not even what i just did like this is on another level but um there are backcountry hiking paths where you think of as traditional hiking like it is dirt you know it's grass it's woods you're gonna be hiking you're gonna be sweating you're gonna be working for it but then also at Klingman's, there's an asphalt path because it's such a famous landmark, and they've built this big observation tower at the top. And the Smokies are the most visited national park in the country year after year continuously. So they have built an asphalt path to the top of this mountain, and it um, it's still like if you if you want to know what we're talking about, if you that'll inspire you to get into these backcountry hikes like I just did. Um, and this is not to brag at all. This is just to for you to understand the density of this because what i'm about to say it's not like i'm comparing this mountain to k2 or everest or anything like that 
but the plot balsam mountain that we hiked even though it was the third shortest of that mountain range probably less than a thousand people have summited it because of how dense the backcountry is to get there like yeah, there's not a people don't want to go bushwhack yeah through the woods to get up to they probably don't even know it exists you can't get to it unless you park your you can't get to it unless you hike from the very first range which is a 12 mile round trip mm-hmm. so you can't just go and do it like you like we were we were trying to figure out the timing because my dad asked me he's like do you think you could go out there and hike it and have gotten back in a day and i was like i i honestly don't think we can't you could because it is a 12 mile loop and it's not just a 12 mile loop it's a 12 mile loop with 2000 plus elevation gain like that's very hard to do in a day i'm sure there's some people that could do it but as the average person average person listening to this like it was you know a, a hard hike but Klingman's dome is and even leconte too I mean, it's a long hike, but it's it's more doable than what some of these pure backcountry summits are. So if you want to get out there, like you want to be get into the outdoors, like Klingman's Dome in the Smokies is could not be a better way to do it. And you're right there next to Maryville, um, Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg. Like, there's so many places you can stay if you're just gonna be here for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's not to mention all the camping in the Smokies you can do, but there's tons of places around there. You know, if you don't feel comfortable for whatever reason doing a camp in the Smokies, like there's tons of camping around there that you can pay by like privately owned places like the KOAs and stuff like that. Um, there's no reason to not go do Klingman's Dome. Like it's a great hike. You can knock it out in like a couple hours, you know? Yeah. And, you know, great views. Incredible like you said, views. you're going to deal with a lot of people being there, but it's a cool I mean, everybody's done it. It's one of those hikes, like, if you've, if you've never, if you're not a hiker and you want to become one, like, it's it's such a good starting point because you don't need boots. You can do it in tennis shoes. Actually, I'd recommend tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. If you're doing if you're doing it from the uh, LeConte parking lot where the asphalt is and you do the, if you go up that way, I'd recommend, I wouldn't wear hiking boots up it. You're going to hurt, it's going to hurt your ankles. I would wear tennis shoes. Yeah, I agree with that easy way to get in we should do an episode on like getting into the outdoors and not not hunting centered but just like yeah what you gotta do to get out let's do that the next one i think because i i think think, uh obviously i think a lot of our listeners want to hunt but i'm sure there's a lot of people too that listen that might not necessarily live somewhere of such easy access to the outdoors that we've always had growing up yeah that's true Oh, real quick, I don't know how much more you want to talk. I was trying to gauge our time, but uh, this is really disappointing to see as a right-wing man. Uh, there's only – I can't remember what the exact number of no's were, but only two Democrats voted no for the Great American Outdoors Act, so good for them for once. Um, one independent, which I, I guess it would have been burnt. I didn't look who it was, but I don't know who the one independent would have been. Um, 81 Republicans voted against it. Yeah, and I I was talking to a buddy of mine in politics about that, and I was because I was confused. If you looked at them all, they're big private land states, by the way. They're all yeah. like Alabama and, and Texas. And I think that that is part of it because he was like, you know, if it's if you think it's such a good thing and they're not voting for it, he said there's two things that can happen. Like they can think. Okay, you know, 
private lands. They don't want, you know, they, they would rather sell the land than lease the land. They don't want to pay for managing it, you know, small government, blah, blah, blah. But he's like, the other thing is like, they could have been thinking this doesn't go far enough. Like they don't need to be splitting that money. They need to be getting all the money. If that was and, their reasoning, then I get it. Like, yeah, cool. Okay. So he was but like, don't get, he's like, don't get too case. upset. He's like, they, sometimes people just, especially on stuff that they know is going to pass, they'll vote no just to prove it, just to be, you know, stubborn and be like, this didn't go far enough. I'm going to vote no instead of something that they just know is going to. If they truly didn't think it went far enough, then awesome. Let's write another bill. Let's get more money into the outdoors. You know, like, right. Perfect. Awesome. But like, this was such still such an important thing that needed to be passed. Yeah. Of course, fucking. It's going to be good. You know, I I, mean, you know who I know didn't? Eh, I don't want to get into it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good thing because, you know, we're sitting here talking about how like the Great Smoky Mountains is the most visited national park other than maybe like Yellowstone or Yosemite. No, it's the number one. But it's free. You know, the the amount of people that get in there and just the foot traffic just like destroys the like uh, you don't want to call it infrastructure but it is infrastructure with uh, the national it, you park. know yeah it destroys the trails it destroys a lot of people well a lot of people uh, mm, mm, huh don't know how off the rails you want to keep talking but i was gonna say a lot of people come <laughs> um, from one other countries and they have no fucking respect for american wildlife american outdoors um could talk about that for a whole episode but a, a lot of people within our own country and within our own state don't respect and don't understand the outdoors and just the fragility of everything out there and they fucking come to national parks and they treat them like shit yeah I agree with that I mean people people go to all kinds of public land I mean you saw when we went out like there was just trash beer everywhere. cans everywhere yeah it's, places that we were like we have got to be the only people that have been out here and then we'd walk up and there'd be like a beer can that it's was like how did i don't I'll, it, man. I'll say this when we were on that that's how i knew this is how i know no one had been past this point either was uh once we stepped onto that just into the absolute unknown out there to go to that third peak i did not see any debris there wasn't any trash cool there's no that's such a good thing to see there were no there was there was no, we we were literally probably the first people out there in over two months if not longer it was i would say we're probably the first people out there this summer just because of how the vegetation has grown <clears throat> it's a nice thing to see we need more of it man that's where that money comes from you like people can visit these parks but we need the money to take care of them yeah yeah, exactly. That's it. But All, I, it's, we, it's, uh, I like how we keep wrapping up every episode talking about this, which is the inspiration of this podcast, though, man, is the great yeah. outdoors. I mean, this is the stuff we're passionate about. Yeah. Sounds pretty cool, but... I got nothing else. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty talked out, too. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening, as always, and it's always cool to see it grow, and tell tell your friends if you enjoy listening to it share it with people and let us know if if you share it with people and we'll i don't know how how we've got the twitter going but it seems like it's doing a pretty good job 
Yeah. Yeah, if you if you guys want us to talk about anything again, like outdoors in general, hunting, fishing. Uh, we haven't really talked about fishing much. Um but we I guess we can talk about that some more too. Or you know, we've been talking about fitness a lot lately. If you guys want to hear or if you even have your own opinion, let us know. Like I'd love to hear about it. Um But yeah, you know, just keep telling us what you want to hear, keep telling us what you like. Yeah. Appreciate everybody love- listening, man. I love getting those texts with the screenshot of people like, "Hey, here's a question that somebody was asking." I'm like, cool. Dude, that Let's so talk about it. Real quick, the one where all those guys were like that I I had never communicated with on Twitter were talking about the podcast, like, "Oh, I've been meaning to listen to this." Or like, "This guy's been spreading a lot of good word. I'm listening to it now. You guys are awesome. It's just wholesome and all this stuff." I opened that notification cuz this is one disappointing thing about the outdoors when you're that high up, you have phone service. But it's also convenient because in case the worst went wrong, you know. Um, anyways, though, I had phone service. And I was just checking my phone. And I saw I had all these notifications from Twitter. I'm like, okay, I'll check it out. So I'm sitting there, 6 a.m., overlooking this beautiful sunset or a sunrise, overlooking a sea of clouds that have taken over the Maggie Valley. Just beautiful scene. And then I see all these guys just talking about how much they love listening to this podcast. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is too much. Yeah, that's but awesome. Really appreciate everybody who's listening, and just, yeah, let it. Feel free to chime in. Let us know what you're thinking. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. We will see y'all next week. Thank y'all for yeah. listening. Come back to the campfire. Yep. See y'all. See y'all.